Hi, and welcome to Sleep Tight Relax. A short message for grown-ups. If you get value from our stories, please consider subscribing to Sleep Tight Premium. It's a bit like having a library full of bedtime stories at your fingertips. Along with sleep sounds, guided meditations, and music for sleep, we help you make sleep time easier and hopefully bring joy and calm to your children. Visit sleeptightpremium.com to subscribe. A link can also be found in our show notes. Thank you. Hi there, and welcome to this episode of Sleep Tight Relax. Sounds, music, and stories for calming, busy minds. In this episode, Cheryl shares the second part of the classic story of Peter Pan, a free-spirited and mischievous young boy who can fly and never grows up. We have continued with a mix of subtle music to accompany the story and hope the combination of story and sound helps you have a deep and restful sleep. Now, as we begin our sleep time routine, let's make sure you have a suitable environment for comfort. Find your quiet place where you can sit or lie down on your bed Turning the lights down if you can. Let's start by taking a few big stretches, reaching with your hands to the sky. Keep reaching up as far as you can, imagining you are picking stars out of the sky and hold ever so slightly. Then relax by bringing your arms to your side. The movement is a bit like making snow angels. Or, for those who have not experienced snow, it's a bit like slowly trying to get someone's attention by waving your arms. So do this stretch a few times. Now take a few deep breaths and let the air out as if you are sighing and sighing is often the body's way of reducing tension. So take those deep breaths, breathing in 
through your nose and out through your mouth. Next, as you take a deep breath in, raise your arms above your head, and when you breathe out, lower your arms. You can continue standing if you like. This is the exact same movement that we started with, but now we're adding an inhale as you stretch up and an exhale as you relax. Try that again. Breathe in through your nose, reach your hands above your head, stretching high up, and now lower your arms to your sides and relax, breathing out through your mouth. The starting point for this movement is your hands by your side. Let's try it again. Raise your arms from your side and reach to the sky and breathe in. Now, hold ever so slightly, stretching as high as you can. Now, lower your arms and breathe out. Raise your arms and breathe in in one motion. Hold. Now lower your arms and breathe out and relax. One more time. Slowly raise your arms, stretch into the sky and breathe in. Hold. Try to pick those stars out of the sky. Now lower your arms. Breathing out and relax. If you are ready for sleep, snuggle under your covers, position your pillows or your other little comforts and get cozy. Now you can relax and close your eyes and feel yourself sinking into the bed. Relax and close your eyes. Feel yourself sinking into your bed. Take a few more deep breaths, remembering to breathe through your nose and out through your mouth. Take your time and breathe as slowly as you can. When you're ready, return to your normal way of breathing, not doing anything special, just breathing naturally. You can focus on the story and sound allowing your mind to wander as you gradually sink deeper into a greater sense 
of relaxation. I hope you have a deep and restful sleep. Peter Pan, Chapter 2 Mrs. Darling screamed, and as if in answer to a bell, the door opened, and Nana entered, just having returned from her evening out. She growled and sprang at the boy, who leapt lightly through the window. Again, Mrs. Darling screamed, this time in distress for him, for she thought he might be hurt, and she ran down into the street to look for him, but he was not there. And she looked up, and in the black night she could see nothing but what she thought was a shooting star. She returned to the nursery and found Nana with something in her mouth, which proved to be the boy's shadow. As he leapt at the window, Nana had closed it quickly, too late to catch him, but his shadow had not had time to get out. Slam went the window and snapped it off. You may be sure Mrs. Darling examined the shadow carefully, but it was quite the ordinary kind. Nana had no doubt of what was the best thing to do with this shadow. She hung it out the window, meaning, he is sure to come back for it. Let us put it where he can get it easily without disturbing the children. But unfortunately, Mrs. Darling would not leave it hanging out the window. So she decided to roll the shadow up and put it away carefully in a drawer until a fitting opportunity came for telling her husband. The opportunity came a week later on that never-to-be-forgotten Friday. They sat this way night after night, recalling that awful Friday, till every detail of it was stamped on their brains. If only I had not accepted that invitation to dine at 27, Mrs. Darling said. If only I had not poured my medicine into Nana's bowl, said Mr. Darling. If only I had pretended to like the medicine, was what Nana's eyes said. Then one or more of them would break down altogether. Nana at the thought, it's true, it's true. They should not have had a dog for a nanny. 
Many a time, it was Mr. Darling who put the handkerchief to Nana's eyes. That fiend, Mr. Darling would cry, and Nana's bark was the echo of it. But Mrs. Darling never said bad things about Peter. There was something in the right-hand corner of her mouth that wanted her not to call Peter names. They would sit there in the empty nursery, recalling every smallest detail of the dreadful evening. It had been so uneventful, so precisely like a hundred other evenings, beginning with Nana putting on the water for Michael's bath and carrying him to it on her back. I won't go to bed, he had shouted, like one who still believed that he had the last word on the subject. I won't, I won't, Nana. It isn't six o'clock yet. Oh dear, oh dear, I won't love you anymore, Nana. I tell you I won't be bathed, I won't, I won't. Then Mrs. Darling had come in, wearing her white evening gown. She had dressed early, because Wendy so loved to see her in her evening gown, with the necklace George had given her. She was wearing Wendy's bracelet on her arm. She had asked for the loan of it. Wendy loved to lend her bracelet to her mother. She had found her two older children playing at being herself and father on the occasion of Wendy's birth. And John was saying, I am happy to inform you, Mrs. Darling, that you are now a mother. In just such a tone as Mr. Darling himself may have used on the real occasion. Wendy had danced with joy just as the real Mrs. Darling must have done. Then John was born, and Michael came from his bath and asked to be born also. But John said they did not have any more time. Michael nearly cried. Nobody wants me, he said. And of course, the lady in the evening dress could not stand that. I do, she said. I so want a third child. Boy or girl? Asked Michael, not too hopefully. Boy. Then he had leapt into her arms. Such a little thing for Mr. and Mrs. Darling and Nana to recall now. But not so little if that was to be Michael's last night in the nursery. They go on with their memories. It was then that I rushed in like a tornado, wasn't it? Mr. Darling would say, scorning himself. And indeed, he had been like a tornado. Perhaps there was some excuse for him. He too had been dressing for the party and all had gone well with him until 
he came to his tie. It is an astounding thing to have to tell, but this man, though he knew about stocks and shares, had no real mastery of his tie. Sometimes the thing yielded to him without a contest, but there were occasions when it would have been better for the house if he had swallowed his pride and used a made-up tie. This was such an occasion. He came rushing into the nursery with the crumpled little brute of a tie in his hand. Why, what is the matter, father dear? Matter, he yelled. He really yelled. This tie, it will not tie, he said. Not round my neck, round the bedpost. Oh, yes, 20 times have I made it up round the bedpost. But round my neck, no. Oh, dear, no. He thought Mrs. Darling was not sufficiently impressed and he went on sternly. I warn you of this, mother, that unless this tie is round my neck, we don't go out to dinner tonight. And if I don't go out to dinner tonight, I never go to the office again. And if I don't go to the office again, we will have no food. Mrs. Darling was quiet. Let me try, dear she said, and indeed, that was what he had come to ask her to do, and with her nice, cool hands, she tied his tie for him, while the children stood around to see. Mr. Darling thanked her carelessly, at once forgot his rage, and in another moment was dancing round the room with Michael on his back. How wildly we romped, says Mrs. Darling now, recalling it. Our last romp, Mr. Darling groaned. Oh, George, do you remember Michael suddenly said to me, how did you get to know me, mother? I remember. They were rather sweet, don't you think, George? and they were ours, ours, and now they are gone. The romp had ended with the appearance of Nana, and most unluckily, Mr. Darling collided against her, covering his trouser with hairs. Of course, Mrs. Darling brushed him off, but he began to talk again about it being a mistake to have a dog for a nanny. George, Nana is a treasure. No doubt, but I have an uneasy feeling at times that she looks upon the children as puppies. Oh no, dear one, I feel sure she knows they are not. I wonder, Mr. Darling said thoughtfully, I wonder. It was an opportunity, his wife felt, for telling him about the boy. At first, he pooh-poohed the story, 
but he became thoughtful when she showed him the shadow. It is nobody I know, he said, examining it carefully, but it does look like a scoundrel. We were still discussing it, you remember, said Mr. Darling, when Nana came in with Michael's medicine. You will never carry the bottle in your mouth again, Nana, and it is all my fault. Strong man though he was, there is no doubt that he had behaved rather foolishly over the medicine. If he had a weakness, it was for thinking that all his life he had taken medicine boldly. And so now, when Michael dodged the spoon in Nana's mouth, he had said, be a good boy, Michael, take your medicine. Won't, won't, Michael cried. Mrs. Darling left the room to get a chocolate for him, and Mr. Darling thought this didn't show firmness. Mother, don't pamper him, he called after her. Michael, when I was your age, I took medicine without a murmur. I said, thank you, kind parents, for giving me medicine to make me well. He really thought that this was true. And Wendy, who was now in her nightgown, believed it also. And she said, to encourage Michael, that medicine you sometimes take, Father, is much worse, isn't it? Ever so much worse, Mr. Darling said bravery, and I would take it now as an example to you, Michael, if I hadn't lost the bottle. He had not exactly lost it. He had climbed in the middle of the night to the top of the wardrobe and hidden it there. What he did not know was that the faithful Liza had found it and put it back on his washstand. I know where it is, Father, Wendy cried, always glad to be of service. I'll bring it. And she was off before he could stop her. Immediately, his spirits sank in the strangest way. John, he said, shuddering, it's the most beastly stuff. It's that nasty, sticky, sweet kind. It will soon be over, Father, John said cheerily, and then in rushed Wendy with the medicine in a glass. I have been as quick as I could, she panted. You have been wonderfully quick, her father replied. Michael first, he said doggedly. Father first, said Michael, who was of a suspicious nature. Wendy was quite puzzled. I thought you took it quite easily, father. That is not the point, he retorted. The point is that there is more in my glass than in Michael's spoon. His proud heart was nearly bursting. And it isn't fair. I would say it though it were my last breath, it isn't fair. Father, I am waiting, 
said Michael. It is all very well to say you are waiting. So am I waiting. I'm not frightened. Neither am I frightened. Well, then take it. Well, then you take it. Wendy had a splendid idea. Why not both take it at the same time? Certainly, said Mr. Darling. Are you ready, Michael? Wendy gave the words. One, two, three, and Michael took his medicine. But Mr. Darling slipped his behind his back. There was a yell of rage from Michael and, Oh, Father, Wendy exclaimed. What do you mean by, Oh, Father, Mr. Darling demanded. Stop that now, Michael. I meant to take mine, but I, I missed. It was dreadful the way all three were looking at him. Look here, all of you, he said, as soon as Nana had gone into the bathroom. I have just thought of a splendid joke. I should put my medicine into Nana's bowl, and she will drink it, thinking it's milk. Nana, good dog, he said, patting her. I have put a little milk into your bowl, Nana. Nana wagged her tail, ran to the medicine, and began lapping it. Then she gave Mr. Darling a look. In silence, Mrs. Darling smelt the bowl. Oh, George, she said, it's your medicine. It was only a joke, he roared while she comforted her boys, and Wendy hugged Nana. And still, Wendy hugged Nana. That's right, he shouted. Coddle her. Nobody coddles me. Oh, dear, no. I am the only breadwinner. Why should I be coddled? Why? 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 George, Mrs. Darling entreated him, not so loud the helpers will hear you. Somehow they had gotten into the habit of calling Liza the helper. Let them, he answered recklessly, bring in the whole world, but I refuse to allow that dog to lord it in my nursery for an hour longer. The children wept, but Nana followed him. The proper place for you is in the yard, and there you go, this instant. George, George. Remember what I told you about that boy? Alas, he would not listen. When he had tied Nana up in the backyard, he sat on the porch with his knuckles to his eyes. In the meantime, Mrs. Darling had put the children to bed in silence and lit their nightlights. They could hear Nana barking, and John whimpered. It is because he is putting her in the yard. But Wendy was wiser. 
That is not Nana's unhappy bark, she said, little guessing what was about to happen. That is her bark when she smells something. Are you sure, Wendy? Oh, yes. Mrs. Darling quivered and went to the window. It was securely fastened. She looked out, and the night was peppered with stars. They were crowded round the house as if curious to see what was taking place there. But she did not notice this, nor the one or two of the smaller stars that winked at her. Oh, how I wish that I wasn't going to a party tonight. She went from bed to bed singing over the children and little Michael flung his arms around her. Mother, he cried, I love you. They were the last words she was to hear from him for a long time. Number 27 was only a few yards away, but there had been a slight fall of snow, and father and mother picked their way over it carefully, not to dirty their shoes. They were already the only people in the street, and all the stars were watching them. Stars are beautiful, but they may not take an active part in anything. They must just look on forever. The older ones have become glassy-eyed and seldom speak. Winking is the star language, but the little ones still wonder. They are not really friendly to Peter, who had a mischievous way of stealing up behind them and trying to blow them out. But they are so fond of fun that they were on his side tonight and anxious to get the grown-ups out of the way. Soon as the door of number 27 closed on Mr. and Mrs. Darling, there was a commotion in the sky, and the smallest of all the stars in the Milky Way screamed out. Now, Peter! This is the end of today's episode. I hope you'll come back to hear how the story continues in the next one. Thank you.